Hey, good morning, everybody. Randy Dole Podcast. Today, uh, training week. Chris, how's it going? It's going good. You know, we uh, we we made it happen just in time right there. Did you see that? Yeah, we did. Yeah. You know, I came out early because these guys came in um, training week, so we've got guests here. They're going to come up and introduce themselves here in a second. But uh, I came out and I set everything up and messed around and 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 forgot to set my mic up and stuff. So I was like, "Oh shoot!" I walked out here and usually it's already you know preset up. It wasn't, and I'm on a new computer and it's weird. It keeps resetting back to default. So got to figure that one out. All right. Well, we're good. We're good to go right yeah. now. Um, Look at this. What is that? Straight. Straight savage. Straight. Savage. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's that yeah. from? We'll have the story. We'll have the story from the man, the woman, the legends here in a second because they gave it to me. And so he's even got a matching tattoo. Oh, yeah? You know? Yeah, and he says, you're going to get one while you're up here. That he already found an artist. You know? You're going to put it on the side of oh, your neck. That's all I need is an artist from Big Bear tattooing mm -hmm. me. <laughs> no regrets. <laughs> you know? No regrets. So, hey, this morning um, is my goal is to share some important um, uh, the importance of state of mind is that, um, you know, my whole life, well, basically the one thing I always knew how to do, two things I knew how to do, have fun. We talked about this, Miles, right? Is yeah. Your dad taught you, He's, you know, you'd never let the kid and you die. You know, the kid and he dies, you die. And I've, you guys have heard me talk about that a lot. Something that I really believe in. Um, but more so is that uh, – you know, I had a, I had a, I had a really cool child, uh, childhood because we just, you know, we always had fun and we didn't have anything and not having anything, believe it or not, I think it made it more fun because we had to be really creative. Like we made our own go-kart, like in the first trial run, you know, guess who volunteers to be the pilot in the seat and, you know, it fell apart, you know, totally fell apart. Um, and so, you know, just things like that, but in collecting, Coke bottles, you know, to buy stuff, you know, just to get a candy bar. You know, we had a, when I was a kid is that we had, and I don't know if anybody else had this or if it's even still a thing, I don't think it is, but is we had this like big pitcher that was under our counter and, and it was old, you know, it's it probably my great grandmother's. And that's where my grandmother every once in a while, when she could sneak a few bucks, she had put an almond joy in there and maybe a Reese's peanut butter cups and like a Hershey bar. And like on a Friday night or a Saturday night, you could she'd tell you, you know, okay, go ahead and you know pick one out, and then bring me whatever one you don't want, you know. And and that was our treat. That was how, and that wasn't every week. That was like every once in a while. Um, like McDonald's was a treat. Like you'd go to McDonald's for a special occasion, uh, and 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 then like Pizza Hut. Like we had a Pizza Hut like twelve miles away. And it wasn't like you guys are thinking about Pizza Hut. It was like a Pizza Hut. It was a store and it had a shape to them. If you guys remember that. And that, that was a treat. And then when I turned 13, I actually met my first millionaire and it really started. It, it was a perfect combination of what we've all been talking about this week and what your dad taught you is really taking and having a playful attitude, enjoying the hell out of life, but then starting to put in some tools that people that are a little smarter than you, a lot smarter than, than me, uh, teach you, uh, both by observation and by word. And so, you know, it, it's been fun with this group this week, kind of talking about those things. We had a deep talk last night, but we're going to get into this and the mindset and how important it is and the different chapters that I've witnessed in my own life and what I'm seeing right now. And then, you know, we've had major conversations with, with uh, two billionaires and a damn near billionaire, you know, multi, multi, multi millionaire of what's going on in the world. And uh, it, it, it was a little spooky and a little exciting. So we'll get it out in the first second. So, Chris, how's everything? You, you don't even have it. You have a you have a boring shirt on today, dude. It is a plain navy blue shirt. Not a thing on it. Wow. I, I know. I'm sorry. You got nothing. I didn't think I didn't think that went through very well. Yeah, you didn't. I mean, it's just <laughs> Wow. You know, usually you're the one with, I've got the cool shirt on now. You don't. So. Yeah, there you go. I know. You know? I, I'm i sorry, sad. everyone. I, no, I, it's I okay. Let, so I, with I that, everybody down. We're gonna get, I'm going to get out of these guys' way. They're going to pile in right here and just look at the green light, you know, and just as a group, just when you start introducing yourselves, 
and then we'll get you the hell out of here and we'll start a stink, okay? So come on over. I'll get out of your way. Nobody steal my coffee. Get up there, guys, all of you. You too, get up there. Come on, guys. Just get right up there and look right at that damn camera, man. Here, I'll get the chair out of the way. Come all on, right. step, step right up one at a time. Don't be shy. All right, so we're going to start right here and work our way over. Okay, introduce yourself. Hi, uh, I'm Tom McLean from Mystique Detailing out of Rancho Cucamonga, Fontana. So he came up today. His son is our intro, and he came up just to see us for the day. So pretty cool. All right, there we go. And I'm John Folks. My company's Coastside Clean Rides out of Half Moon Bay, California. There we go. Good morning, everybody. My name is Miles DeGru from Jacksonville, Florida. My company is Presidential Auto Detail. There we go. My name is Gabrielle Grant, Gabby. Uh, we're from Sellersburg, Indiana, right across from Louisville, and me and my husband own MR Detail Works. Cool. I'm Jerry Grant. I'm from Sellersburg, Indiana. Uh, we're with uh, MR Detail Works. Okay, you got to show on the back of your leg, man. You got to oh, hide yeah. that thing up because what's on the shirt is on the back of the, right? Oh, you can see it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> straight savage. Straight savage. Okay, little, straight little savage. Yeah, come on up here, young man. Good morning. My name is Dominic McLean. Uh, I'm the other half of my dad, and uh, we're out of Fontana slash Rancho, um, and we run and operate Mystique Detail. I would just say Rancho from now on. I'd leave the Rancho, Fontana right, part right. out. Yeah, yeah. All right, go ahead, guys, just sit down. That's coming from a guy that's from Colton. Yeah. Is, you know, is, is kind of, you know, you know, there's some crowds you just don't tell people that. You know, yeah, I'm from Rancho, you know. All right. <clears throat> so, hey, let's roll this into it. You know, um, I've been blessed to work with a lot of amazing people. Uh, and, and the one thing I kind of always told you is I always knew how to, to work hard. It was just brought up, um, you know, and, and I won't say none of my brothers are lazy, but uh, like I was the next level crazy worker, like just went at it. And, and I think I got that from my grandma is that she just never gave up, man. That, that She was always on the move. She was always doing something. She was never idle. And I think it was just bred into me. Uh, you know, and we, I know we, where we didn't I have... got... Oh, I was going to say, I know where I got my work ethic from. It was uh, my mom. Your so... mom? She, st yep. she still work hard? Oh, yeah. She doesn't hold still for nothing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it... It comes from that, and, 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 you know, all the way through my life, I think she was an example, but I think she also saw I had, you know, our family has a lot of addiction issues in it, and it's funny because she didn't have, she didn't have the issue, my mom didn't have the issue, and I was raised by them. And by the time, my brothers are 8 and 12 years older than me, so they're kind of out of the house when their big problems started, right? It was, it was, it was, it was started there at home, but by the time that I came around to the age to where it was going to really be an influence. They were kind of out of the picture. And my, my grandmother, I think, saw that I was going to be addicted to work. I think, I think she saw it. And she was trying to mellow me out because uh, she didn't want me to overwork. And so in my 20s, all these different chapters is that um, I started at a really young age having these, these visions of what I wanted to do. And I, I wanted to do so many things, right? It's, it's youth, youthful. Take yourself back. We're talking 10 years old, man. I mean, 10 years old, you're, you're old enough to know stuff that's going on, and you're still a little kid, and you're still playing with toys, and you're still dreaming. But, you know, I wanted to be a, I wanted to be a policeman and a soldier and an entrepreneur and search and rescue and helicopters and all these different things. And, you know, you don't, you don't take an – you have no concept that you can't do all these things, right? But yet I just went out and I set out and I didn't done most of those things. Not maybe was never a full-time police officer, you know, ended up not wanting to be, but I was a reserve. I got to leave, live that dream, you know, sitting right behind me is my, my retirement shirt and my badge is got to, 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 to serve as a, a soldier, you know, how cool is that? Not full-time, you know, just part-time. Um, I'm an entrepreneur, you know, I mean, how cool is that? Uh, I've been around helicopters and aircraft pretty much my entire life. I mean, it just, it all came to, but it came from that original 10-year-old Rennie dreaming and then not giving up, just like your dad, refusing to give up the dream, the kid dream, and being a little bit of a kid all through my life. Bob Phillips will tell you straight out, I'll go back to, I'm, I'm either, in his book, I'm either 12 or 14, you know, when we start in. 
And most of the mafia, I got bad news for you guys, you come into the group, they fall right in line with that, you know? So we turn 12 or 14 real quick. Uh, and so with that, that playful mind, there's, there's a couple points in my life where I lost that. And, and, and those were the, those were the most challenging times of my life. Your dad's a wise dude is because when I lost that playfulness and got all business, it wasn't me. It wasn't me at all. The 10 year old me is bitch slapping me, you know, and depression set in, you know, I mean, uh, I was stressed out, all these different things, uh, very, uh, myself, uh, my self-awareness, my self-satisfaction went away. All these things went away. What's the one commonality? And why talking about this when mentored by millionaires? Because they're the ones that taught me to give that shit up, that stinking thinking, and go back to the playful you. And we're going to talk about what some of these individuals do. Everybody thinks when you walk into a room, and they are, they're serious, right? And some of them are really, I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't sneak a, 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 a leaf of grass up their ass. They're so tight, you know? They're just so, you know, bundled up. But the cool ones, and the ones that you would want to hang out with, guess what? That 10-year-old kid, that 12-year-old kid, that 14-year-old kid, is you can see it. You can feel that kid, male, female, it doesn't matter, is they're playful. And, and, and so as I sat, sat there, my first influence with the millionaire was a pilot. He ended up being my father-in-law, you know, um, that the, the marriage didn't unfortunately work out, but he's still my father-in-law. Does that make sense? We're still really close. And he's somebody that really was one of the first guys to just, to just beat on me. The second one was my football coach, high school football coach. that was a millionaire. Hmm. Detailer that's a millionaire. You don't have to be. There's the second thing that I learned right there was millionaires. There's there's not a set profession. Uh, your seat a couple, couple years ago was a Ivy League attorney. You know, and probably pretty wealthy, but he didn't like what he did anymore. Right. Couldn't stand it, you know. So he's going to give put that away. And pick up something he likes. He's here. So get this thinking that you got to be something else to be wealthy. You don't. You can be whatever you are and be wealthy. You don't have to. The first female millionaire in this country that was not white was a blue-collar worker. Matter of fact, she was a maid. Entire life. She put 25 to 30% of her wages away her entire career. And when she went to retire, she's 60 something years old and her, and her, and her accountant kept telling her, man, you just need to give up your job. You don't need your job anymore. She didn't know what he was talking about through her investing and through her saving over those 40 years, she become a millionaire. Okay. Now this is a woman in the 1960s that was of color. That didn't happen. Yeah, it did. It happened to her because she took, Basic common principles saved. She, she spent less than what she made, a lot less. And she put it, she lived a modest life. And you know, you're you're gonna be take you're 20 years old. We got a really young guy here. 20 years old. I think that's so freaking exciting. Told you that when you were here last year. 20 years old. You do not let anybody get no stinking thinking in your head. And you you bitch slap him. If, if he gets stinking thinking, his overworking is not it. Smart working and connecting. The one thing I'm going to jump ahead a little bit in my notes. The one thing I learned from millionaires and billionaires is they connect with each other. You know, us, sometimes when we get together in these, our industry's done a lot better. Matter of fact, I was at, I spoke at an event on the East Coast not too long ago, just a couple weeks ago. They're real quiet, real reserved. They're in the automotive industry. Great people. Some are very wealthy, but they're really very it's hard to bring them out i i, I it, it really was a wake-up call on how far our industry has come because we're not we're flamboyant we're talkative we're hugging it out all of us are hugging it out already we met each other first night that we're done hugging each other you know man you couldn't get you you, you go up to hug one of them and they're like Ew. you know it just and, it, and good people but it was a different culture than ours 
Ours is so, and I think it's because a lot of us come from humble beginnings and we start with so little. They do too, but not as little as we did, I don't think. I think that we, have, we really were minimalist. We got to stretch that through when we're beginning. Put away, especially right now, is at the end. Remind me, because I get going on these things. I'm going to share with you what two billionaires and an almost billionaire shared with me last week. And, and it's, it's awesome. Is it spooky? Yeah, for some people, unfortunately, they're going to get hurt. The, con the coming economy is going to hurt some people. Not at this table. Not going to hurt you. Might set you back a little bit. Might propel you a lot. You know, it might propel you a lot. So with that, is that that hard work foundation played off. The dreaming and visioning, the playful side paid off. That the, the chapters that I really enjoyed was the times that I, I shut my mouth and opened my ears and was the poorest, stupidest person at that table. And I allowed myself to be molded and trained. Now, 80% of what I picked up at all these different, I mean, you name the meeting, it could be Chamber of Commerce's. I got really involved in, and I never, and I never ever sold it, but I liked the camaraderie and multi-level meeting. I liked how they, 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 they built other people up. I liked the concept of you build and raise others up with you. I liked all that. So I joined and paid with no interest in selling soap, with no interest in selling juice, with no interest, whatever it was, but I would study their systems and processes of how they connected people and how they lifted people up. And then more importantly, what did they do with the people that weren't willing to lift themselves up? They try to motivate them. And then finally is that they just have to kind of push them off to the side. Doesn't that sound familiar with staff? Doesn't that sound familiar with people you've worked with? And so you try, you try, you try, and then you don't. So I studied all these things, that positive influence. Then there was a short chapter of my life where I had some negative influence. And those happen still. You get somebody in your life, maybe you think they're one way, maybe they, and they weren't. Might be a customer, might be a friend, might be a colleague. But a little bit, they get in your ear. So how do you handle that? You got to shut that down right now. If it's not, remember, go back to that 10-year-old. Is when I was a 10-year-old, my natural, my natural thing was to be everybody's friend. Still is. That's, that's my, is to be everybody's friend. And it really, Vincent De La Rosa was, was a big time. Sorry, Vincent. Probably, I don't even know if Vincent's alive. Uh, this is a rough dude. Okay. But I was, he was my friend, I thought. And the first time he jumped me with his friends, you know, I still want to be his friend. Jump me again. Still want to be his friend. You know, is, is, I wanted to take and work with you. And finally, Vincent got so rough with me and I got big enough. I started lifting stuff that one day Vincent and his friends decided to go ahead and rough me up a little bit. And I'd had enough. And I roughed him and his friends up a little bit. That chapter was gone. Is when you get rough chapters and you get people in your life that you can't turn around their attitude. You got to try. You owe them that. You got to try to influence them to a better way of thinking, a better life. But you cannot let them drag you down. And at some point it might mean cutting them out of your life, especially in business. And that includes customers. You got a customer and listen, I know you guys right where you're at. You know, all of you guys are newer. You're not, you know, I know where you're at. I've been there. I have, I know how you've got to suck it up and take some crap from customers. But at some point that day is going to end. The other thing is, is if it's keeping you up at night, I'm telling you, Go get a part-time job and lose that person. If they're treating you so badly or their influence or their culture around them is so negative, maybe you go to their business and work and they, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bad culture there and you don't even like being around it, then get out of there. Get out of there because that's going to do things long-term to your brain and thinking and your culture that's going to hurt you in the long run. That's just a short-term thing. You're going to be out of that situation soon enough. If it's really bad, the one thing I noticed about all the millionaires and billionaires is they don't hover in those areas. But yet, as blue collar and people that have come up with maybe limited resources, we tend to hover like a helicopter in those situations, either hoping that we can be a positive influence or thinking we're tough enough to deal with it. You're not going to be tough enough to deal with it because the human brain's not wired that way. 
it's going to affect you and it's going to affect you in a negative way. So you got to be able to know when to pull out of there and get out of that hover and leave that area. Now, if, if they're a, if they're a good friend, I'm not saying not be their friend anymore, but you just can't hang in the same circles. You can't sit there and allow yourself the same stinking thinking that they're doing because you know what they're honestly trying to do is they're polluting you. They're really trying to bring you down. And all that I'll tell you, I was talking to, and, and, and I'm going to throw some names. I don't do it all the time. Tom Hanks, the actor, one of our good clients, not in detailing, another business. We detailed his cars too. But in another industry we, we, we own, another business we own, he was one of our clients in a couple different ways. And it's funny because I said, hey, you know, as we got more and more comfortable, he would start conversations, just regular conversations. So I asked him one time, I said, you know, coming up when you were just really, you know, you're getting on the stage, you're doing small community theater, you know, the transition to go, you went from small community theater into acting and going to Hollywood. What, what was the struggles? And he says, the people you had to, you had to, you had to there's a lot of really nasty people. And he says, a lot of them are, have the same dream as you. You're all, you're all in it together. But at the same time, they're pulling a knife out and stabbing you in the back. And he says, so it was surrounding myself with the right people and not letting those wrong people, not defriending them, but not letting them get my ear. He says, I knew where I was going. And I knew I was going to get there. And they wanted that too, but they didn't want me to get there. They wanted to get there. I wanted them to get there, but they didn't want me to get there. And I said, why was that? And he says, well, I didn't see it at the time, but I was better than them. It just, I studied harder. I practiced harder. I went for more roles that, that were below me. I, I took anything I could to learn. They didn't. And that's what got me better than them. He goes, not as a person, not talking. I'm talking as a, as a craft. I was better than them. And I went, oh, man, what lesson is that? You know, and that's for all of us. I don't care if you're 20 or 60. Doesn't matter. What can you take away from that? Because you got to remember, your show changes all the time. That's the other thing I knew. But going back to this, these these individuals all gravitate towards each other. Is that I remember one day, uh, Tom Hanks is a huge aviation, uh, especially space. He's really into, he, he loves it. One of my other clients was the inventor of winglets, where the wings on airplanes turn up, is that Joe Clark was one of the inventors of that, his company. I won't say him, his company, right? And so one day he called, and I said, Mr. Joe Clark, what's up? I, I asked Tom, I said, i got to take this real quick, another, another one of our customers. Do you mind? He goes, no, not at all. And so I said, Mr. Joe Clark, what's up? And so we, we talked for a second, and I hung up, and he goes, is that Joe Clark Aviation Partners? Well, yeah, and he goes, can you introduce me? They want to gravitate to each other. And here's why. His fascination with aircraft. He wanted to talk to them about what gave them the concept of getting more lift because he had heard it was from studying birds of prey and the way that their wings tips are shaped is what brought the more lift. And he was, there's a lot of truth in that. And so it was pretty cool to introduce them and then watch that, that, that multi, multi-millionaire magic happen but there's the biggest that was one of the takeaways that I learned was that don't see any boundaries between them and the other guy is that they actually see connection so one of the most uh one of the coolest things is that i can't remember his name now but there's two uh we had a big event up in sun valley and if you guys want to you guys want to see that i'm not bullshitting look up uh herb allen allen and company sun valley idaho and you'll go back for the last 40 years and anybody that's anybody in July is there. The world leaders are there. There's been presidents speak there. Uh, every every major tech and Hollywood executive has been there. I was there the first year that Google got an invite to the table. It was their first year. You have to get an invite to go. Uh, I remember the first year that walking down and the president of Disney is sitting there um, talking uh, with Warren Buffett, and I'm this far away from him. I'm thinking that's the that's the CEO of Disney, and Warren Buffett sitting there having a conversation at this event. So I got the insight to this through our clients at that time. 
we knew it always happened. As locals, we saw them around, but you couldn't get inside the wall, so to say. You couldn't get inside the fence. Well, now I am. And really because, really because of Tom Hanks. Nobody knew who I was because Tom didn't want anybody to know who I was, right? So I'm dressed up just like they are. And by the way, it, it, it wasn't – these guys were in shorts and flip-flops. These, some of them were in, 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 in sports coats. They were them. They were them. Warren Buffett had a $100 suit on, you know, and probably $30 shoes. You know, real basic guy, not flamboyant at all. You know, um, the, the, the two founders of Google came in with jeans and kind of these wild shirts. His that was lesson right there is that they were very comfortable with who they were. Now, some of them weren't. Some were still, some were very angry people. Some of them were very sad people. Some of them were very lonely people. And you can sense that in them. One of the things that we did is we, we uh, uh, the guy, that big producer that got busted for um, being savage to women. Uh, I won't mention his name because of liability, but uh, he was one of our clients. And I actually turned him in. I had a long talk with him. He was he had Whoopi Goldberg with him. And I, I said to Whoopi Goldberg, I said, this guy's an absolute freaking animal. He's a predator to women. I, I don't even know how you can be around him. It was the last time I, I dealt with him. And she told me to mind my own business. And later on, we'll talk off record. Anybody wants to know who it was, call me off record. Uh, his last name starts with wine. We'll put it that way, you know. But um, I had that conversation with uh, Jerry Berkheimer. I had that conversation with Whoopi Goldberg. I had that conversation with Tom Hanks. Uh, and it's funny because here's the other thing I know is that that level of shit, okay, they don't want anything to interrupt their world. And that guy with his last name starts with wine was the center of the universe for a lot of them. And he made their bread and butter for a lot of them. And they didn't want to come out against it. And that was really disappointing. What was the takeaway from that? I'll never do that. Somebody's doing something that's wrong. You know, I'm going to call it out. If I'm doing something that's wrong, I'm going to accept being called out. That was the takeaway. So it wasn't all rainbows and unicorns, you know, that you learn from these people. Is they were cutthroat, some of them. Some of them were very giving and push you forward. Bruce Willis, one of the most giving guys in the world, if you could get him away from chicks. I mean, he just... He was just – he wanted to bone everything that, that he saw, you know. He did. He just – I mean, he was after Diane uh, for a while. I mean, he just – everybody. You know, every, he had his own bar for a reason. I mean, yeah, he was, he was, he was a big-time horn dog, and, and, and not in a bad – I mean, I guess it is in a bad way, but he was a cool dude, you know what I'm saying? And he would just say it like it is. And so the, the, the point that I want to give to that one is, is that there's a side to wealth that comes with – some dirtiness if you ask me and you could see the people that would play that dirtiness or accept that dirtiness and the people that wouldn't and like bruce willis for instance i was talking to him about this wine guy and man he just went off you know and he'd worked with this guy and he goes man you, in the next if you're ever i said oh, i won't be with him again because i called him out in front of all his friends you know he'll never do anything with us again and, and he didn't you know um and so here's the big thing though there was one guy that stood up to him there was one guy that stood up to corruption, and 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 he was born into money. His family owns Sigram Seven, he owns Colgan Water, several other companies. Okay, uh, the Brotman's family, the, the Bro Brotman is how you, I think you pronounce it. And he saw corruption, and he would call it out. He would take a stand, and he didn't care. Uh, he was. We were transporting him one time, and there was a U.S. senator with him, uh, Senator Kerry that was running for president and I didn't know who he was. This was before he ran for president and he got pretty, pretty vulgar with me. And Mr. Brotman said, pull the car over. I was, we, we had a transportation company, exec, executive transportation and protection company. And I pulled it over and he says, uh, he told a standing U S Senator to get out, get his own effing ride. And that he never wanted to talk to him again. And told ordered me to pull away, and I left the senator on the side of the street in Twin Falls, Idaho. 
So the guy was freaking beast mode, right? So some of them will. What do you want to be? Okay, because with your success is going to come to temptations. And even though our success is minor, now my, my temptations isn't anything foul like that. My temptation is cars. My temptation is real estate. My temptation is, do I buy, my temptation is new, stupidly expensive coffee makers. You know, those are your temptations. What do you do with those? You've got, especially when you're born or maybe have lived a modest life. And all of a sudden you start getting those successes is you've got to take and control those sexes, uh, those temptations. Warren Buffett is a fine example of that, you know, still lives in the same house. I think he expanded it, still drives the same old car. He was a, a, a town car guy for a while. Then I think he switched over to Cadillac, didn't he? And, and, but nothing new. So you got to take, I used that as a role model. I didn't want to wear a hundred dollar suit. I got to tell you that. I, 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 that was, that was my limit. No hundred dollar suits. So, so all these different chapters are running into another opportunity. So I, I'm a big reader. So in 2004, a new book called Mentored by a Millionaire. Okay. Comes out, Stephen Scott, a guy named Stephen Scott. If you haven't read the book, I mean, it's almost a 20 year old book. If you haven't read the book, you need to pick it up, Mentored by a Millionaire. Um, I'm not going to blow the storyline to the book, but I did one of my boldest moves in my life. Is I read the book. I read it a second time. I lived in Sun Valley, Idaho at the time. And Stephen Scott lived in, in Utah. So I said, you know what? I'm going to try to get a hold of this guy. He really impacted my life. That book really opened my eyes to some things. I've been around these millionaires and these billionaires but this guy came from practicality. He came from, he lost all these jobs. He lost the love of his life, his wife, because he was a blow it. He gained all that back by having the right person in his mind and the right person as a mentor. And that's where the book, Mentor by a Millionaire. So I, I got a hold. I did some, some, some searching. Six degrees of separation. You guys ever heard of that? It's where you're only, you know somebody, I need to know. It's, there's only six people away. Now they're saying because of, of, of social media, it's probably three, you know? I mean, it's really, it's really shrunk down of who's in our pool. So I, I, I hunted around and I got Stephen Scott's office number. Okay. I found it. And so um, I didn't know he's, I thought, you know, okay, you guys made a, you know, wrote a book. He's no, he's got a very small staff. And so when I called the number is he goes, Stephen Scott, it's him. It was his number. And I said, Stephen, you don't know me. My name is Rennie Doyle. I just got done reading your book. I'm an entrepreneur, and I got a question for you. If you had the chance to change the trajectory of a young entrepreneur's life and all those people that is around him, would you take that 15 minutes to change his life? And he goes, of course I would. And he says, start talking. And it started a relationship up that went for about 10 years. And, and he was the motivation for me to write the book. And, and I was so scared, you know, because of my background. And I was so nervous and I was so embarrassed and I was so all these different things. And he goes, okay. And, and I told him that one day, I said, I got this opportunity. And I told him everything I just told you. And he goes, good. I need you to hang up. And I want you to call me back when you're done with this task. And, so, and he goes, go back and read my book again, please. You need a refresher. Call me when you got your mind straight. Man, I went through that book. Do, 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 do. Call him about five days later. And he goes, okay, what do you got to say? And I said, I just signed the contract. And he was a good man. And it really, again, he did. He changed my trajectory. People will take and take the time. If you take the time. There are, there are wonderful millionaires and billionaires. And at the end, I'm going to share, again, three crucial points that were made last week about our, what's coming in, within our economy. So now is at, at, I'm going through, let's go back. I had my first little round of success. Uh, I'm in my, my 20s, okay? Got a business. I had, the, the business was going great. I just had somebody come in and want to buy it. And, and deep down, I didn't want to sell it. And deep down, I did. Because I was running so ragged. Now, Angela was sitting here, going to give credit to Angela, is she made a point, and I never thought about it, this, this baseline, is that was I really burned out? Or was that business grew above my abilities? And the answer was, I wasn't burned out. 
is that I was doing things that I just didn't know how to do. And I wasn't incorporating the right people to do it. I wasn't outsourcing all of my bookkeeping. I wasn't outsourced. I had a relationship with a CPA once or twice a year. I've got a, I got a relationship with a CPA three or four times a month, you know, right now. And so I, w I just didn't have the knowledge in my head yet to manage where that company was going. And I didn't know that when I sold it. Two weeks later, I was sitting in Hawaii. Okay. And I'm going, okay, why did I sell this company? And the answer came to me. I don't have enough big business experience to run a company. Now I started that company. I can do it again and I'm going to do it again. But what school's not going to do it. What they teach you in college isn't going to do it. Is that I've got enough smarts, book smarts. I need some street credit and I'm running a big business. So I started applying for big companies. And I got a job with a big company out of Europe. And I worked my way up very quickly. And we took a, a, a whole sector that was in the, in the red. And we took it up to 12, 12 and a half million dollars of net profit. Not gross, net profit within a, a, under five years. Well, what did I from that? Is again, another, another Scott. Michael Scott was my boss there. Another millionaire. How? Because he had invested in the company and had shares in the company. And he was our general manager. But every day, he, we called him um, what, Prozac was his nickname. Because if he didn't take his pill that day, and he was really into shooting, and there's times where he, he'd come to work and like, okay, can somebody go move his car? Because he's got guns in there, and he's going to go off, right? Now, he wouldn't have, but my point to this was, is he would completely go off on people, right? Because people, he was a very high performer. What's the average person at an average company? What are they there for? They're there for the breaks. They're there. They're counting the clock. Okay. I wasn't. I'm hustling. So he'd come in and chew the whole sales team and the whole marketing team's ass and say, Doyle, stay in the office. Everybody thought I was getting a butt chewing. He goes, okay, that wasn't aimed at you. You clarify it because I was his performer. Do you know where that came from? Now, this is a millionaire. This guy's my age now, 50-something years old, very successful, very powerful, Right is when I was brand new, he chewed my ass and it wasn't, it wasn't a good ass chewing. It was unneeded. He generalized. So I sat in his office afterwards and I said, can I, can I stay in here for a second? And he goes, yeah. He goes, what are you going to say? And I said, if you ever talk to me like that again, I'm working my ass off for you to generalize and include me in that conversation. A, I'll give you my resignation right then and there. B, I'll punch you in the fucking face. I don't deserve that. And so he goes, get out of my office. So I came out about five minutes later, get back in my office. And he apologized. And he says, you know what? You're right. He says, you're such a motivator and you motivate the whole team. And for me to take and just take you down, that was completely, it was completely, my point to this is he humbled himself and know that he made a mistake. You're going to be in power. You are in power right now in your company. Doesn't mean shit. I always tell, tell the people, it's like the mafia. I work for you. It's your group. It's our group. It's not my group. Okay. My company, the same way is I work for you. You don't know how hard I work for you. I actually work for you to make me more successful, but I work for you to have a better environment, to have more knowledge, to have, to have more wealth yourself. This isn't about my show. It's about bringing ever, everybody up is we had dis we had dis uh, um, what's that program called Chris that we did? Evaluations. Uh, disc. Yeah, you got it right. So disc evaluations. And my two columns were is that I'm super aggressive on, on on moving ahead. But even above that was taking people with me. You know, is that that's a really big drive for me. And then and then I, I don't follow rules and I don't give a shit about SOPs was the other two columns. Right. And I just don't. Now, Chris was real high on those other two. So, we you know, we balance each other out. Right. And so if you haven't had a disc, if you haven't done that, do it. It's real fascinating. Matter of fact, let us know. We'll get you in, in touch with uh, uh, Jody. Our buddy Jody is the one that administered ours. It was pretty cool. And so really a burnout at 27. Was I burned out when I took that job, corporate America? No. I took it with the idea I need big money experience. I got about three years in and I'm like, oh, my God. This is like watching paint dry. Because I could see things I wanted to do but because it was a big moving ship is you had to go up the chain of command, you know? You had to follow the chain of command. Well, by the time you push it up to the chain of command, 
and it comes back down the chain of command, that opportunity is long gone. And it just, I, now I started getting more flustered. So, so my Michael Scott, my boss, comes to me one day, and he goes, we're going to lose you. I said, what do you mean? And he goes, I can sense it in you. You've hit maximum velocity with us. You just, you're flustered. He says, you're, you got to take and get your eyes on it. At this time I was 30. He goes, you've got to get your eyes on moving ahead to something on your own because you're too valuable to yourself not to. I hate to lose you, but you're getting flustered because you've got to go through so much. There's so much red tape that holds you back. And he says, and I tell these guys all the time, guy made us 12 and a half million. Let him go out and make us 30 million. Okay, so what did I learn from that is that Stephen Scott was uh, or Michael Scott was very comfortable in that position. And so I moved on with that in my mind. It was permission from him and my young, my young years. 30 is young. Believe it or not, 30 is old for you. You're 20, but 30 is very young. You know, is that's when you're really coming in your knowledge base. This is where everything changed is this is where I moved. I, I got involved into a another investment opportunity person I, I invested with, I didn't know all that well. That person ended up taking, I, I amassed a good amount of cash back then. I, I'd taken and, and, and invested in this with this cash and it was gone. Everything. I was broke. For the first time in my life, I was dead broke. Dead broke. But I had all these billionaires and millionaires around me. So Dave Morris, millionaire, okay, flew for a family, sitting at his table one night, on Thanksgiving, because we can't afford to put a Thanksgiving dinner on our table. Told him what had just happened. And he said, what are you going to do? You're going to go back to Cali and go to work? I said, no, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to figure it out. I said, you know, I, think I used to detail. I used to detail planes. And I said, you know, I really missed it. I might do that part-time until I get going. And his eyes just went boink out of his head. He goes, dude, I hate cleaning our jet. I hate it. And he goes, come down and give me a price. So I gave him a price. He goes, no, it's too cheap. It, you you got to no, it's you got to double your price, man. You're too cheap. You're not going to make any money. I was shooting from the hip because I hadn't been involved in it forever, right? So he says, "Here's where you need to be." And I was like, "Okay." He goes, "Can you do it tomorrow?" Yeah, and 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 that's literally. I'm going to move out of the way real quick. Oh, Randy, did you unplug something? <laughs> when you came back, your audio stopped working. Hmm. Unless everybody else can hear you. Yeah, everybody lost you. Nothing. Well, I went over to normal speaker. Can you hear me now? There you are. Now you're back. Came off my Yeti. So huh. I don't know. It was really good. So sorry about that, guys. So so now all of a sudden we're sitting out here. I'm sitting at 30 years old. Okay. I'd gone through all this big money experience. I'm broke. And so kind of the boohoo set in, right? I was like, Jesus, why did this happen to me? Didn't happen to me. It happened for me. We've talked about this all week is that I just picked up my own. My wife went back to work waiting tables at night. We'd switch off. I'd come home from, from detailing. I, I, I worked at a hardware store part-time during the first winter. I taught skiing in follow-up winters is that I'd come home from teaching skiing. I'd detail for a couple hours. I'd come home to the kids She'd take off and go to work at a, at a high-end restaurant, and we repeat. And slowly but surely, we started putting our quarters away and our dollars away and $100. And the business kept building, and the business kept building. Before we knew it is that we're a year in, and we're back on good ground again. Real solid. Within six months, we're on good ground. But within a year, I had a fully operational business. Now, that business was – I had another business called Crossroads, completely designed going to be a consultant company i enjoyed what i did so much that i said nah not going to do that i could make a lot more money off this other business i'm having so much fun 
that I don't want to do that. And I kept meeting more and more and more millionaires. And more and more of them kept putting me back in to the right light, to the right ideas of taking me under their wing. And so it, it just happened that um, I got the idea of every time I was within greatness, when I had greatness around me, is I would say one simple thing. I want you guys to write this down. Is I would ask them very because I, I wanted to, I, I didn't want to disrespect their time. I'd say, you know, sir, ma'am, if you had one piece of advice, just one short piece of advice to give an entrepreneur, what would that short, simple piece of advice be? You wouldn't believe the responses I got back. These are very wealthy, self-made people that were giving me these responses back. That built, believe it or not, that showed respect to them. Some of them weren't interested, but 90% of them were. And the answers I got back is what built me into the person I am today. It's what built me in my, my business mind into the person today. And so what I look at is the multi, uh, uh, the, the, the millionaires and the billionaires is they taught me a new look, a way to look at yourself and the world is they, that I learned valuable lessons through it all starts with me. Everything starts with me. My attitude starts with me. My happiness starts with me. My attitude towards others starts with me. My culture and my businesses starts and ends with me. Everything starts and ends with me. Not around me, not about me, but the good, the bad, and the ugly is all about me. I set that pace. The next one was is that how crucial relationships are. We talked about this earlier in the week. Is they, they taught me that above all else, don't try to sell anything. Hey, if you're Walmart, sell some shit. But your business is not Walmart. Your business is a very small, you're not going, we talk about volume, you know, volume detailers, production detailers, production this, production that. Even in our biggest, we're still not real big. How many items a day does Walmart, a Walmart store sell? We're still connected one-on-one -on -one in a pretty small arena with people. You know, we're gladiators. We're in that arena. Sometimes we're one-on-one. -on -one, sometimes there's a whole bunch of other gladiators in there is you're still pretty small when you think about it. You're not selling millions of items. And so the points that, that they all had was this connection. You having the right outlook, you having the right attitude, and connecting with those other people. The other thing I learned was the interconnective, is that being interconnective, all of these millionaires and billionaires were interconnected. And if they weren't, they wanted to be. They wanted to meet that person. Is I was with the Guggenheims. I don't know if you know them or not, if you're familiar with it, is that it's very, very old money. And, and I had another client, and this guy said, hey, by chance, do you know XYZ? And I said, yeah, I do. Hey, at some point, can you bring him by and enter? I've always wanted to meet him. <laughs> they started a whole business together and brought me in on it. I was rewarded for that introduction, and I made hundreds of thousands of dollars off of that one introduction. Was that a payback? No, they liked me. They like my service. I had something to offer their team. So they took advantage of that relationship and other relationships they had. And they're the ones that, yeah, I, I, it, it, I could go on and on of what they brought to us. Another relationship I introduced, they brought me in, wanted to buy my, my detailing company out and partner up on a, on a real high service car wash in town. There was none. And I was like, well, what's the value of, of me, you know, melting my company in that. Well, we're going to give you 25% of this land and everything. Here, it's yours. Here, take, take the keys. Here's the keys to the van. Here's the keys to the shop. Let's go. Let's roll, right? And it, that didn't work out. But the fact is, is that now, three or four years in, the, I, was a, I was a car washer to these guys. I was an airplane washer to these guys. But over time of being true to myself, is I brought value to me, they're bringing me on. They're doing what they do with each other. They say, your expertise is this, your expertise is this, your expertise. How about we join forces and do this? And I was in a little part of that because I'd shown myself with integrity. I'd shown myself I didn't push my will and I wasn't stupid. I didn't ask too many questions, but I asked questions. And when they gave me advice, I took them up on the advice. When they said, hey, this is going to take one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Those steps. I didn't try to do one six and nine and get to where they did. I went back and did exactly what they said and did one through 10. I honored them and it never failed. It never once failed. Success seeks out minds. These people 
they seek out like thinking, like-minded individuals. They also think, seek out people with different mindset skill sets that, 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 that they have other than theirs because they're going to want to partner up. I also learned that. They partner on everything. These, these individuals have so many damn businesses that they own, and they don't own the whole damn thing. They own a part of it. But they are partnering people that they very, they very much trust. And it's not that they've known them for decades. It's no, they know their reputation. They get to know them and they go, look it, I got this opportunity. I need your input on it. You want to move on something like this? this is something you want? I've been sitting there and watching these deals go down. I, I watched Jerry Bruckheimer in the back in the back of one of our vehicles come up with a damn movie idea in the back of the damn vehicle. I mean, is is it? It's, it was, was. I don't know who the other person was, but sitting there, so they're scripting on a movie. Right in front of me. And I'm going, holy shit. These guys never do it on their own. They're constantly relying on each other and building each other up with that. Now, is it a wiener measurement competition? Oh, yeah. These guys are, hey, come on down. I got my golf stream. You got to go. Oh, you got a golf stream for? <laughs> I got a five. You know, it's, it's, does that happen? Oh, yeah. It, it's competitive. It's not so much ego with them. It's, it's competition. They want to see who's bigger, badder, and better. Kind of sound familiar? They play the same games we play. The same exact – they just got a lot more money, you know. As we talk about having a nice car and they talk about having a nice jet, it's a big difference. And so success talks money. There's a language to money, and these guys understand it, is you've got to understand that. You've got to understand different things. You've got to understand – I'll never forget. Okay, I'm a really young guy. I'm probably oh, maybe 20, 21. And these two rich guys out at the airport are talking about Buffett. Okay? So I'm, I'm dying to get in this conversation because they're talking about Buffett and how Buffett did this and how Buffett did that. Okay? Well, the young me blurts in and says, yeah, I love his music. <laughs> and they go yeah Ron Buffett and I was like who's the other one I felt this big I felt like such an idiot because I wasn't in that world we didn't have online back then right? so I have to go to the library and I start looking up different things I'm starting to success magazine money Ma all these different things to find out who's this other Buffett guy right I felt like an absolute idiot when I said that and they thought it was cute because back then, you know, you're you're 20 nothing years old. It is kind of cute, right? I, I tried to fit in the car. So the two lessons learned off of that conversation was a when don't don't if you don't know what they're talking about, keep your mouth shut. B is you you, you need to be informed. You need to be you know widely informed. And I wasn't. I wasn't very worldly, was I? Thinking about they're talking about you know uh, uh, a music artist instead of you know. Uh, 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 an actual mogul, one of the richest men in the world. So now, so my lessons from all these millionaires and billionaires, I still get them. So I was on a call last Friday, a recorded call. I, I couldn't, I couldn't attend the, the live one. And there's a, this is a billionaire and a millionaire, and they're talking about the cascade effect that's going to happen here in the coming year with the economy. So I listened to these guys talking, and they, they've been kind of sounding the alarm bells a little bit. This is the first time I've really heard them be blunt about, hey, this is what's coming down. Here's what's going to happen. And so I took in, and as soon as I was off that call, um, I made a call to the first billionaire. I, I, this guy I've got a relationship with. Those guys, I'm part of a group that they have, and we've got a, a paid relationship. You know, As long as I keep paying, there's a relationship. Uh, this other one's a true friendship. And he's actually very connected. And so I call him up. I say, hey, man. I said, we hadn't talked in a bit about this economy. What's going on? He goes, oh, it's funny because I just had, I had lunch with Warren Buffett last week. So this is the level this guy's at, right? I'm just a token friend, you know. I'm, I call my, myself his lightning rod of reality because I'm the only, like, poor person he knows, you know. And he thinks I'm dead broke, you know, because compared to him, I'm, I am. But he's actually made me, my wealth has been built up so much from him. And I said, hey, what, what's the take on this? And he says, you know, Warren Buffett, for the first time, he goes, he's been, they're confused. And he says, so, you know, interest rates are going up. 
Um, inflation's out of control, but usually what will happen is gold starts going up, the same kind of climbs or even goes ahead of it. And he says, it's just not happening. Gold prices are still staying low. Uh, and he says, now what we're starting to see is the shortage of supplies. Um, we're seeing that the workforce, you know, isn't coming back to work like we thought they would. And he says, this is kind of a perfect storm where Warren Buffett feels 08 hit people with bad loans and people that work at, were working in real estate and in the loan industry. And it widespread out, but it, it didn't affect a lot of people. A lot of people were not affected by it. And he says, Warren Buffett really thinks this next one's going to affect everybody because inflation's going up so much. And he says, it's definitely in the next, by February of 2023, is the housing market's going to fill it pretty good. So uh, my take on this is, is that we've had a lot of people in the service businesses grow through 08. And the key, the key factors is, is going back over it with him when I was talking to Vince was that is keep the same principles, keep, know your numbers, know what it's costing you to do business. Uh, don't be afraid. A lot of people are still holding back from raising their prices. Look at right now is the best time to raise your prices ever. And the reason why is because everybody's having to raise their prices. Now, another key message on this was this, when, when, when you go to adjust, is a junior varsity mentality is this. This just really happened. Is that uh, this, this person that uh, was on the call has got a favorite sushi place that they go to a couple times a month, okay? And they usually take, bring it home. And so they said, best sushi that they've had. And this guy's a world traveler. Unbelievable sushi. He said, this time, it absolutely sucked. It was horrible. And he says, what they did is they sent a flyer saying that to to allow them not to raise their prices, they've changed some of their ingredients. It's gonna, they'll be, they'll be gone. Six to twelve months, they'll be gone. What they should have done is raise their prices and did the opposite message. Said, "Hey, to those of you that really respect the quality we deliver, we had two choices: we could lower our our quality, you know, lower our standards, and raise our prices." or keep our prices low and lower our quality. We decided to keep our quality high and raise our prices. We're sorry, but the supply chain and the world is all being affected and we're definitely part of it. That would have been the smart move. Why did they do that? They just don't have that mindset. They didn't go to mentors. They didn't go to coaches. They're probably not talking to them. If they knew who they just lost as a customer, you know, guy's going to be a a billionaire here shortly and he's, I don't even know if he's 40 yet, you know, is if they would have went to him and said, what do you think? You think he would have laid it out for him on how to keep him and other people as customers? He would have laid it out for him. So many times Vince, I keep talking about, he went to me and he's, he, he's the first one that got me to have a thousand dollar detail on our menu. I told him you're crazy. And he gave me some bet, some ridiculous number that, Hey, if you don't sell that thousand dollar detail in the first 30 days, I'll just give you this wad of cash. And nah, I'm not kidding. It's like 26, 28 days into it. We sold one. I was mad because I wanted that wad of cash. But that was short time thinking, right? What we didn't know is all of a sudden now we started selling. We sold one of those. And then two or three weeks later, we sold another one. And then we got to the point where we're selling one a week. But short term, that cash pile would have, in five, six weeks, it would have been gone. We kept that going. But here's what it also did is it started changing the shops I had influence on. It changed our shop in, in, in Texas. You know, we started doing that same thing. And what happens when, when, when people start doing and they're advanced like that, what happens to your competition? The smart competition goes right after you and raises their prices too. The dumb competition does what the restaurant does, lowers the price and puts himself right out, to the, out of business. So we raised the standard with the shops that we had influence with. Didn't price fix. We didn't even talk about it. But we took and we raised our standard. And this was all based off a conversation I had with with a billionaire of him daring me to think out of, out, out of the box of daring me that we were worth it of showing me we were worth it of giving me street credit when I needed it of changing my mindset when I was young in business, not young, young in business. I don't care. There's brilliant people that are young. There's dumb asses that are old. There's dumb asses that are young and there's, there's brilliant people that are older, but I will tell you this right now is that with them saying that three, very wealthy people that are, one of them is very connected to the financial world, uh, was very connected to the housing world. 
is that we've got change coming. How are you going to handle it? Now, I'm, I'm a little hungry. You know, I, I'm going to gobble up some real estate when the shit goes down. I ain't going to do it right now. I'm going to wait, wait for it, wait for it. And I'm going to, and things are going to hit. So my, my, my takeaway with this, and then we're going to end, is what you want to be doing right now is make your experience with your company for everybody that contacts you from the time they go to your website to the, every conversation they have on the phone to when they meet you in person, make it extraordinary. They cannot forget you. They cannot, they might not even be able to forge you yet, but one day they will. And you're going to be on top of the mind because they had such a great experience. All right, Chris, you got anything to throw in there? You covered it pretty good. I'm glad you touched on, uh, I'm glad you touched on uh, that webinar that we got to watch this week. It was, uh, I, I'm not going to lie. I've, I've listened to it three times already. So pretty powerful, pretty powerful. Yep. And Had a lot of good, and you know, when it, and, and, and detailers, let me tell you guys, you, I always tell this, that I got a pack of cigars right here uh, that my my buddy Edwin gave me, and uh, I'm going to smoke one this week. But uh, detailing is like cigars. It's a luxury, not a need. But I will tell you this. I didn't think I'd ever say this in 08 until recently in the last five, six years. We have created our industry needs to be so proud of themselves. Because coatings really set us on a new course, right? But it wasn't coatings. It was the people that sell the coatings. It was the people that install the coatings. It was all you in the trenches that actually made it happen. And what we've done now is you've got people like me. I don't want to live without a ceramic co uh, coated car. Life without a ceramic coated car sucks. It's harder to wash. doesn't look as good. Mainly, I'm lazy. It's harder to wash. You know, and so we've got people that are giving us normal people, friends of ours, that we they, all we did was send them to you guys. They got ceramic coatings, but they're like, oh, my God, they just absolutely love. I have at least 10 friends a year that call me from a dealership saying, should I buy this coating? And I'm like, no, you know, <laughs> I'll send you to somebody when you're out of that office that's going to actually put something on your car. That's good. Don't buy it there, but buy it. Just 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 don't buy it there. And so, you know, make your experience with your company unbelievable. You can't afford to be grumpy right now. Can't afford to not smile over the phone. You can't afford not to have cool looking shit. You don't have to have fancy anything, but you got to stand out. You can't be running down and you're a, a, a top level professional using tools that you bought at Home Depot. You just, you can't, you can't, you got to buy pro level stuff, guys. Don't run out right now. Make that as a backup, and I'll get rid of that damn vacuum. There's, I mean, I got a, I got a, I've got a, a, a Home Depot vacuum in the, in the trailer in case one of ours goes down. We got a backup, right? It's there, and I'd use it in a heartbeat if I had to as a backup. But it's not your front line. It's not your starter. Make sense? So with yeah, that, guys, you know, with, with I was that, gonna say you, you hit the nail on the head. You got to make, you got to make the entire experience, right? The, the the communication you have with your customer, the actual work you're doing on their car and the experience they have with their car after you're done, the whole thing, you got to make it something that they don't want to live without, that they want to keep having yeah. going forward, no matter what the economy does. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, guys. Well, Hey, uh, Chris, we'll see you later today. You'll be up here Yep. and, uh, we'll, uh, guys think about this again, go, uh, Mentor by a Millionaire, Stephen Scott. It's 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 a book, almost 20 years old. Um, I'm actually going to go. I don't get rid of books anymore, so I'm going to go dig it out and read it again. Um, he's a great guy. He's got still very active. He's got a follow-up book to that that's really good, too. Uh, just, it just slips my mind what the name of it is. Uh, you'll love his story, and it has to do with Christy, Br Christy Brinkley and Chuck Norris. That's all I'll tell you. So they're in there. So, all right, man. Uh, hey, can, we'll, I throw a, a, can I throw a few calendar items out there for everybody? Just Absolutely. some, some kind of plugs here. So uh, anybody that's in the SoCal area on October 13th, um, Rennie and Kyle Clark from PNS are going to be doing an event at detailing.com down in Irvine. So if you guys are in the area, uh, go visit detailing.com and uh, check that out and get signed up for that. Um, 
The other cool things are, you know, our big party at SEMA uh, is coming up in uh, just under a month. And uh, we want everybody there. You know, I'm, uh, I put a cap on the party at about 500. We're at 445 registrations today. So make, make sure, hey, guys, we're doing this free. But you yep. have to have a VIP pass. So you gotta go got to go sign um, up online. Got to sign up and uh, just just look on social media. You'll find it, right? If 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 yeah, if, if we'll you can. can't if you can't find it on our social media, you're not trying hard. But we have some awfully cool sponsors this year, and uh, we're going to be letting everybody know who they are real soon. And uh, you guys are going to really enjoy this. It's going to be a great event. Yeah, we're going to have a good so. time. It's uh, you know this is another direction the industry's gone. As we started out, this is a joke. I'd go down. We went into Caesar's Palace to their cigar bar, and about 25 of us got together year one. Nine years later, you know, it's turned into we're going to have 500 people at this party. We're going to give around – what do you think gift-wise? Probably 10 grand? Maybe. That's all still falling into place, but we're, yeah. we're, we're hoping to have some awesome uh, raffle prizes there too. Uh, I think the goal right now is to kind of bundle these cool packages of prizes and, and give something away every 30 minutes or so. So, yeah. So, and we want to get, you know, we're, we want to get people involved. This is all, we don't care. We've got every manufacturer, PNS is involved, IGL is involved, all these different. I mean, I, I'll, we'll go off and name them. This is universal. Everybody's invited. Even if I don't like you, you're invited. And there's people there that have come to the party that we really don't care for each other. And I love seeing them there. You know why? Because they're part of our industry. Even though we don't jive too well, is that as long as you're not a wiener, is that I'm cool if you become a wiener and you know who you are, I'll punch you in the mouth with your girlfriend in front of you. Um, anyway, so um, you guys, I'm, well, I'm going to get in trouble. Come. Bob, I'm going to get a call from Bob, Bob Phillips here in a couple minutes going, oh boy, you know, yeah, that kind of, that guy knows who he is now. Yeah, I told you guys about him. Uh, yeah. All right, guys, I'm going to get in trouble. I'm out of here.